0: Shudo, and I've been an actor for, well, a really long time. Here's my number. Call me. <laughs> I've worked with some of the most famous people in Hollywood.
1: Anything unusual occur?
0: Define unusual. And taken on some roles I'd rather forget. Now my industry friends join me with their stories of faking it, making it, and taking it in Hollywood. And now... Here's Nelly. Welcome to my podcast, "50 Moments: Faking It, Making It, and Taking in Hollywood as a Working Actor." It goes along as a partner to my book of the same title, which you can find on Amazon. And I like to label each chapter. Um, after an experience I've had. And this chapter and podcast is called Survivor. And no, it's not about me being on Survivor. I did audition. I never made it to the show. But it's about how um, when reality shows became a huge portion of all the jobs in Hollywood, I thought, how can I reinvent myself? And to do that, I became a host um, on the Style Network, uh, E! Entertainment. I hosted game shows and also at HGTV. So today, my guests are two people I've known for quite a while, Lauren Roosh, who is head of uh, production and development at HGTV, and my friend, Ron Corning, who is a a newscaster, a host, and all-around entertainer. So um, let's get started with the show. Lauren, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Same here. And you know, Ron obviously knows you. The funny thing, audience, is that we know each other. All of us know each other on a friendly basis as well.
1: Yes. Yeah, Lauren and I And we know each other from different places in our lives, which is even more interesting that it's all kind of coincidence that we're all friends with each other because we know each other from different parts of our lives. Well, and it
2: proves it's a small business in many ways, regardless of what sector of it you're in. Nellie's an actress and you're in programming at HGTV and I'm kind of a news guy, but at various times we've sort of cross-connected and wanted to work with each other in various ways. You and I met at the wedding of a, I'm going to say a mutual former friend, a former (laughs) mutual friend who's now like on the lam from the law for allegedly running a real estate scam.
1: We won't get into that,
2: but yes, But see,
1: (laughs) even at the strangest of locations, you can meet someone that's going to be your friend for life. So everything does happen for a reason.
0: Exactly. And I met you doing a crowded house. On HGTV, yes. one of my favorite jobs. Love that. Which was shit. so fun.
1: And it was cast by my best friend, who happens to be one of your best friends, yes. who we've known for a long time, too. So it is, it's just, it's a funny little small world. It mm-hmm.
0: is. And we have to say Jill Bandamer is the casting person. And by the way, one of yes. my most fun nights in my life was her 50th birthday party in Vegas.
1: Oh my God. You're not supposed to that talk about so it. What
2: happens what in Vegas stays fun. in Vegas.
0: No, it was so fun. We went to see Cher.
1: God. We saw Cher, oh. and it was like one of those nights that. It was just electric we had so much fun together we had great seats we were dancing through the night that was a blast
0: it was so fun and somebody you knew you know knew the backup dancer so we got the second row right somebody at at any rate I was staring right at Sharon I was like damn she looked good (laughs) she looked good (laughs) so Lauren tell us how you got to HGTV because you've had you know a varied career as well
1: Yeah, I have a kind of a strange background in that I started off very early on working in game shows. Mm -hmm. I was a contesting coordinator, and one of my very first jobs was at Love Connection. So I was 21 years old, and I was matchmaking for people at Love Connection. But what (laughs) happened was, after a few years of working in the game show world, I felt like I loved what I was doing, but I was basically being hired for my personality, and I really wanted to use my writing skills. I wanted to learn how to be a producer, and I worked my way into production of daytime talk shows and eventually news, which is where Ron and I have in common. I was at Good Day LA for 11 years, mm-hmm. uh, and which became a nationally syndicated show as well called Good Day Live, and from there... I saw an opportunity arise at HGTV where I would be producing lifestyle content for HG. And it was a dream of mine to work in this world. And so I took that opportunity and then I've worked my way up from that role. And I'm now overseeing the programming team at the network. So it's been quite a great journey.
2: I remember, Lauren, when you and I met, it was spring of 06 and I was at ABC and I was at that time getting offers for other things and turning a lot of, of things down. And I ended up in that f- that fall of 06 at Good Day New York. You were living yes. in Knoxville. That's where Scripps at the time, I, I think they are in part still headquartered there. But yep. Scripps was headquartered there. HGTV and the Food Network were Scripps Networks. And you were living there uh, with yep. David. And I, I think at the time, you, for whatever reason, you, you may or may not remember, weren't feeling totally fulfilled in whatever that role was. And you were feeling like maybe you needed to get back on the news path and the executive producer job at good day new york the counterpart to good day La, opened up and i was like hard pitching you for that job and you were that interested that. in it and it wasn't meant to be it's a good thing they blew that show up and we were all casualties and you and i could have been unemployed together but instead you stayed the course <laughs> And it just evolved over time, a move to New York, and now everything else that you're doing. Where was the shift there for you? And are you glad you sort of waited it out?
1: It's a good question. You know, the first job I had within this network was as the executive producer for our in house production company. So, what that means is I was producing some shows that would be on any of the scripts networks, which were HGTV, Food Network, Fine Living at the time, DIY, a number of the networks. But I really, really wanted to be a network executive. I wanted to oversee multiple shows and represent the network. But it's a hard transition to make. And I really had a guardian angel on my side because the head of the programming team at HGTV came to me and said, I like the shows you're producing. Would you ever want to come over to the network side? And that happened shortly after you and I had Mm -hmm. had the conversation about me feeling stuck in the position prior to it and so I took that position on the network side as a director of programming and they moved me to New York from Knoxville and from that point on I've been headfirst I love this content I love home content I I was a weird kid that spent my weekends going to open houses with my family just because (laughs) I liked looking at houses so it kind of everything happened the way that it was meant to happen it just took a little bit of time to get there
0: um and by the way uh HGTV has grown to be like one of America's favorite networks. It really is. People watch it. It's what everybody puts on in the background. They watch it, but I mean, they also put it on the background 24 seven, right? So how do you feel about that? How did you grow it to that?
1: You know, it's kind of exciting. It's funny. We used to, consider ourselves like the best background on television. Like if you go to your dentist's office, you'll see HGTV on your TV. And a couple of years ago, we decided that we wanted to turn more into a lean in network. And so we wanted to be a place where you wouldn't just turn it on and stumble upon something, but you would actually want to find shows that appealed to you i think that where we had the opportunity that for me was the most personally fulfilling was we bought the brady bunch house and we created a very brady renovation where we recreated the brady bunch house that was only used as an exterior facade to have the inside of that house match exactly what the studio set was and what the house would have looked like if it were in existence and it was a huge ratings hit and it made us realize people will come to HGTV to watch that special show, to watch something that excites them. And I feel like it made us really become part of the cultural zeitgeist as well. And it's, it's been a really good lesson because we have some of those shows that are easy to watch in a nice warm blanket. And then we have some of those shows that you cannot wait until they're on. And it's fun to be part of both. Of Rock, those the of productions. Rock
2: the block. Rock the block.
0: Yeah. The, flipping, showdown.
2: flipping showdown.
0: Flipping. By yep. the way, Peter Nay worked on us. that show, the Brady Bunch show. Peter Nay.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's a good yeah, friend yeah, of yeah. mine too. Yeah, uh yeah. awesome. Uh-huh. You know what's interesting about, the, and literally I'm going to tell you something that I think speaks to the turning point with, with the Brady Bunch. So I had moved into a temporary apartment as we were buying um, a house and we didn't have cable. We just had internet and streaming. Well, you know at the time, you couldn't watch an HGTV show unless you had cable. Correct. Let me tell you, I, I went through hoops to figure out how I was going to watch this yeah. show Without having cable, and it turned out, my partner Luis has AT and T on his phone, and you get the down, you get the app, or you get to right. watch a certain number of cable channels through the yes. through the app, and we're we're mirroring the show through his phone and Apple TV, and I said this is a turning point for HGTV, and I was mm-hmm. so proud yes. of you to know you mm-hmm. were part of it. I thought if I'm working this hard to seek it out. This is proof that if you do something really good, people mm-hmm. will find it. And to advance it one step further, this Discovery Plus app with a library of HGTV yeah. content yeah. and a range of other networks. I mean, I am just it's it's literally all we watch. I'm episode yeah. six Thank into you. tough love with Hillary.
1: Oh thanks <laughs> I've been working on that show. I really like that show. It's love fun it because she is what does she call herself? Mary Poppins without the spoonful of sugar. I'm, she said, "I'm run. short.
2: I'm short on sugar.
1: <laughs> I'm short on sugar."
0: Very good invitation. So
1: I thank got- you, Ron. Thank you, though, for that dedication. We appreciate it, and it's it's so gratifying because, as you know, as people who work in television, Nellie, when you're on a set acting, you're not thinking of the millions of people watching. You're just doing what you do. It feels like you're in a very kind of intimate setting. Ron, when you're reporting, you feel like you are telling a story, but you're not really thinking of the people that are really watching it. And then when you walk through the airport and you hear someone talking about a show that you worked on, there is nothing more exciting or gratifying to think that this is actually reaching people. People are enjoying what you're producing or what you're putting out there. And it really is. It's really gratifying to me.
0: Well, I'm sure it is. And you've had so much success, but I have to ask you, there's got to be an embarrassing story. And I'm going to ask around the same thing in your past, some embarrassing meeting you had for, you know, an audition for a job, not audition, but you know what I mean? You went in for an interview yeah. for a job, whatever, and uh, somehow it flopped. Is there any crazy story you have to tell us?
1: There's one that comes to mind that was probably more horrifying than <laughs> embarrassing, mm-hmm. but it's a good story. We were doing a live version of the HGTV dream home giveaway years ago. Uh-huh. And what happens at that is we brought in three people who were the first only three people that were picked in the sweepstakes one of them was going to ultimately win the house and they were going to win it live on television what we did not realize we'd already set up the set we were at this remote location and the satellite truck got stuck coming up the hill to the house (laughs) six hours before we were going to hit air and we had no idea what we were going to do and it was horrifying i mean people were In retrospect, laughing at me, I threw up on set. I mean, I was like a mess. I did not know what to do with myself there. And we eventually found that there was a local truck, a mini satellite truck, that was doing local high school football games that made it up the hill and by the grace of God, got the signal on the air in time for the show. But it made me realize just how fragile you are at any given moment that Mm -hmm. you don't know if what you're gonna work on could just go down like a house of cards. And it was horrifying. Ultimately rewarding, slightly embarrassing with my own behavior, but um, but something I'll never forget. It's
2: like yeah, it was like um, HGTV home giveaway meets The Exorcist as you're throwing yes up. exactly. Oh. Uh, and I'm sitting here thinking, you know, we tell oh. ourselves in moments like that. We're not curing cancer. Right. It's just not It's just entertainment. <laughs> We're not saving but lives But it feels here. like you're
1: curing it when you're freaking out. Yes, you do. it feels it's like funny. your world
2: is collapsing and everything you worked for will disappear in an instant if that live feed doesn't make the air.
1: Exactly. I would have yes.
2: taken
0: the, the satellite dish off of the truck and run it up the hill.
2: That's what I would <laughs> have done. I mean, it was,
1: <laughs> it was so nerve-wracking. I can't even begin to tell you. And you're sitting there thinking like, to me, the thing I love about working in television is I love creating the shows, writing the shows. I'm a, I'm a more creative person. The one thing I feel like I have no control over is the technology. I could barely get my own cell phone to work. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not good way. at the technology <laughs> side of things. And so when you see a satellite truck that's not working, I'm helpless in that situation, and you have no idea what you're going to do to get out of it. No,
0: we've got Ben back here working for us doing all the tech stuff. Yeah. Thank God. Because otherwise we all need a bend in our lives. My ear thing into my ear. Like I, just, I can't even explain.
2: <laughs> That's why I so admire and Lauren, I'm sure you've been in many a radio studio, my friends in radio, the way they're Ugh. able to sit there and converse and man everything and take a call and rewind yeah. it and insert it. And I, I you know, they're a It is they're, a
1: skill. They're the true one man band. Start, I, Did you start working in like smaller markets? Because I know that in people that work in news when they're young, they're oftentimes like running their own teleprompters and their own cameras. And Uh, it just amazes me that people can be both focused and doing all of these things all at the same time. And it never
2: is. It's seamless to the audience. It must be overwhelming. Well, it wasn't necessarily seamless for me. Um, I started out, this feeds into, here's here's my (laughs) embarrassing story. I was going to tell a different one, but now you've triggered a memory. I'm like, now this one tops. (laughs) Sorry. My first week in Clarksburg, West Virginia, anchoring the weekends, I'd never anchored a full newscast before. The former anchor was moving to weekdays, and so I shadowed her, and she produced it for me. In other words, she picked the story, she wrote the script, she showed me how everything was done. I had to do everything from assigning the reporters their stories. There were two reporters on the weekend to writing every script, editing every piece of videotape, going through at that time, you know, printers would just print off reams of stories and you'd come in and have to rip and read and sort and mark them and what's going to make the newscast while listening to the scanner and assigning producers. But that first weekend, watching her and taking, catching my breath and easing into the newscast. I got through the first newscast with kind of accolades. People were like, you're really good your first time out. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> the next week, I feel something coming. <laughs> I'm all by myself. And it is like the walls are closing in. The clock is ticking. I remember looking at the clock, and it was like 1030. And when I looked up again, it was 1056, 56. And I did not have makeup on. I hadn't put a tie on. I was still editing video and they screamed over the loudspeaker, Where are you, Ron Corning? (laughs) And I had all these tapes stacked up, big three quarter inch tapes, and I hadn't marked them with numbers, just titles. And I dropped them going down the hall and they were out of order. They were out of order. And when I got on the set, they kept rolling the wrong tape. And when they'd come to Uh me on camera, I'd be looking at this camera. And then I'd (laughs) switch, and they'd take this one. So I was like this, and then I was like this. (laughs) And I started sweating, and I had these big glasses, and they slid down. And when I pushed them up, I did this. Uh Right as I was reading a story Uh about the coal miner strike, and when the show was over, the general manager called me and said, you gave the coal miners the finger. Do you have contact lenses? And the sweat was dripping, and I was on literally... Like on a performance improvement plan, week two. <laughs> oh my God.
1: And you're like 23 years old and 21.
2: This- 21.
1: 21. Oh my God. Straight out of Wheaton. 21. Great. Well, I... Straight out of
2: Compton. I mean, straight straight out of of Wheaton. Wheaton, Wheaton I had the T-shirt, straight out of Wheaton.
0: I have one (laughs) to tell you guys. I've had so many embarrassing stories, and that's basically what my entire book is about. But one of my favorite ones is um, I met Sir Ben Kingsley when I was working on a movie with him. And, you know, you're just so nervous working with people who are so huge, and I admire him so much. He is a sir, so you really admire him. And I, I walked up to him, and I said, Sir Ben Kingsley, it's so nice to meet you. I understand our children play together. And he goes... Oh, that's interesting. My children are 35 and 36. (laughs) And apparently my nanny has said the wrong person. (laughs) Oh, no. You know, my kid was like five. His kid was 35.
2: Well, you know, Leslie Jordan comes to town quite a bit, and I've done some events with him. him. And years ago, he was telling a story just at dinner about how he had done this short-lived series back in the early 80s with uh, Faye Dunaway, and, of course, she was a legend and a star. And it wasn't until he used to see her on Santa Monica in, like, Larrabee. You know where that is, Laura. And There's the mm-hmm. newsstand there and the Starbucks. He yeah. used to see her in that neighborhood. She lived there, and he would never dare say hi to her until he won an Emmy for Will and Grace, and he was emboldened. Like, I'm Leslie Jordan. I can say hi to her. <laughs> so he went up to her and said, Miss Dunaway, it's Leslie Jordan, that's my Leslie Jordan impression. <laughs> it's a very right. good one. And way. I worked with you in 1981 well on that FBI series and and you and I just wanted to say hi and she looked at him and she said I've spent thirty years trying to forget my role in that series. <laughs> I surely wouldn't remember oh yours. My god. Oh my god. And he was like <laughs> he felt this big. In fact, he was that and he, big. And in but- fact, he is that
0: big. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but that was it. He was I like he, classic. he never like, even though he is of great even greater fame now since the pandemic, yes. He says he's so hesitant to walk up to any A-list movie star because he got rejected by faye dunaway isn't that interesting
0: i walked up to leslie jordan at neiman marcus in the grove in la because i texted you i was like i think it's leslie jordan aren't you friends with him and you said go up and say yeah, hi to say him. He was hi so nice. say
2: you know me from dallas he was so nice and he said who I, so there you go <laughs> so there you go <laughs> he said i'm trying to forget that memory exactly. <laughs> i've been trying to forget that guy for the last five years
0: so lauren surely you come to texas for work
1: it's funny. I am going to Texas in February for work, but it's going to be outside of the Houston area, not the Dallas okay. Well,
2: bring your area. generator. Br- <laughs> I know. Generator. You never know. You never know. You could be you without power. Know. You try producing a show without power.
1: <laughs> bring yeah,
0: your satellite dish. Bring Drive in a truck, okay? Drive in a truck from New York exactly. with your own satellite dish. So is there anything coming up that you're excited about?
2: No. Oh, <laughs>
1: There's so many shows that we're excited about. I'm working on a show right now. Do you know who Trixie Mattel is from RuPaul's Drag Race? Yes,
2: I do. Yes. He, Trixie There's a Trixie here on mm-hmm. Irving Boulevard, but it's a different Trixie.
1: Different <laughs> Trixie. Um, but there it's he's opening the first ever drag queen motel in the country in Palm Springs. He bought an abandoned motel that is the and, and is converting ever. it into a campy drag hotel. And the show has been so much fun to work on. It's gonna be colorful and bright and sparkly and fun and full of celebrities that are visiting and participating. And so it's a, it's a very fun project. Um, We have so much in production now. We have about a hundred shows or series that are in some level of either development or production. And so there's just stuff going on all over the country. You almost can't name a city or a state that we don't have some sort of show in production
2: right now. And that, that leads me to a question about that because when I watch Ben and Aaron Napier in Laurel, Mississippi, and when I watch I'm Dave and Jenny Mars in Bentonville yes, and Fayetteville. My God, you really know. You know. I'm telling so you. Appealing. I told you. I watch these shows. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, Chip and Joanna Gaines in Waco. Yeah. Do you think HGTV, Discovery HGTV, and all your programming is changing these small towns in America? That it's yes. bringing people in to buy, like literally it I is. look at these shows it's and I It's literally
1: creating a, it's creating tourist destinations yes. out of places that were unknown. I mean, I went to Laurel, Mississippi. Was that to the intention? Was that the intention? The intention is no. In fact, people ask that a lot. The intention is for us to find shows that are dreamy and aspirational but also attainable. And what happens is that when you find these wonderful people in these places where the housing is not expensive, where the homes are beautiful, and they're in an untouched or untapped area. It almost creates a dream that the viewer didn't even know existed. So you probably had never heard of Laurel, Mississippi, unless you're from that region, until you saw the show. And then you meet Ben and Aaron. And then suddenly you're like, I want to live a little bit of a life that they're living. And then next thing you know, I want to go visit the mercantile. Then next thing you know, mm-hmm. I want to buy a house there. Like before you know it, it actually is, It turns into something because what they offer is so dreamy and aspirational to begin with. No,
2: I'm I'm on the track to be the mayor of Laurel, Mississippi by probably next year or <laughs> I'll vote for you. I'll vote awesome. for you. Awesome.
0: No, but Waco <laughs> has changed completely because of Chip and Joanna. Like completely. Oh, like I go there all oh, the time for cross-country meets with my but, son. It's a whole people are dying to go there now. It's amazing.
1: And they are just lightning in a bottle. I will never forget when we saw the very first audition tape for Chip and Joe back in the day in our development room and thinking the whole room just looked up and said, this is something special. Like we were so excited for them. You just knew it. It does not happen often when you see someone and you just know that they're meant to be special. And it really did happen with them. And it really put Waco on the map for a good reason. I think people had other associations, obviously with Waco from the past, but it turned it into a place of like the silos and their these beautiful homes. And how could I find my own fixer-upper and all this stuff? And, and now it's, it's one of the more traveled tourist destinations and it's because of them Yeah, because, because
0: it was them. not before. Let's just say that. And no. So it's very exciting what's going on at HGTV and I'm so grateful to have you both thanks. on the show today. Thank you both for being here. You're two of the most oh, Renaissance you. man people I know. So oh, um, appreciate it. And thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you so much. Bye thank Lauren. You.
0: That's been another episode of 50 moments, faking it, making it and, it and taking it to Hollywood as a working actor. And I'll catch you next time. For information on my book, check out Nellie'sblog.com and I'm on all social media platforms. Just search for Nellie Shooter.